Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, Chelsea fans and potentially Newcastle fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast in collaboration with Coming Home Newcastle, the SB Nation blog. This is Dan, one of your hosts for the London is Blue podcast, and I am joined by two wonderful gentlemen who just happen to be on the opposite side of the competition this coming weekend. I have Greg and Elijah from the Coming Up Newcastle blog who are going to be joining us today. And so, uh, Greg, I know you guys have just started your podcast. Congratulations. Welcome to the world of Premier League punditry on the podcast format. Thank you so much. We're very excited. Uh, it's a whirlwind dealing with Newcastle, as some of you may know, but uh, we're excited to get, get it going and all the banter that comes along with it following this club. It's been a blast so far. Can't wait to well, I, I know with Rafa Benitez there, you will not be short of any type of option for commentary. But uh, Elijah, I know that uh, you know Rafa. You know, maybe maybe he's not doesn't have a warm spot for many uh, hearts of Chelsea supporters. I feel like you guys kind of like him a little bit more than we did. Yeah, uh, you're talking about a guy who I don't know saved us from. Um, you know, being in the same position that those uh, that disgusting club Sunderland is in right now. So you know, a lot of love for uh, for Rafa. Excited to be a part of the the punditry now. You know, it's it's cool. I'm only doing this because eventually the goal is to get a sponsor that will send me free food. So <laughs> I'm just going to do this until that happens. And That's if it. it doesn't happen, then I guess I'll quit. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> That that is a noble effort and attempt. I, I guess I just would wonder what would be the. Is there a food sponsor of choice that you're going after? Is there someone connected with Newcastle already? Who's like the official like Korean noodle sponsor or the official like corn dog provider that you're kind of like already jonesing for? Or no, I just I, I just I'm a guy who likes to eat. So uh, <laughs> anyone who wants to give me free food. I'll I'll make you an official sponsor of CHN Radio. You could be a guy named Steve 
from Massachusetts. And you'll be will be this podcast will be brought to you by Steve from Massachusetts who sent me Steve some gushers. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> sausages, gushers. Doesn't matter what he sends, um, he'll be a sponsor. That that's how we'll do things. Yeah, that you heard it here first. Elijah dented cans of spaghettios, uh, bread that's just about to get a little too rough. He'll take any of it. So what we're gonna do today in this new format is we're gonna spend a few minutes kind of getting a pulse on the state of the respective clubs to talk a little bit about what's going on at Chelsea, how we're feeling at the current state in the season. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with Newcastle, how Greg and Elijah are feeling about their club at the moment. Then we'll kick it into taking a look back at the last match that was played and kind of digging in to understand what are some things that maybe we would like to see different, things that maybe went poorly in that last match that we're hoping gets fixed on the training ground over the week leading up to this match coming up. Take a little bit of time then, talk about the projected lineups, maybe some of the matchups that we're really excited to see going back and forth with one another, make some final predictions, and then get you out of here. So we're going to bring it in and talk about State of the Club for the match coming up this Sunday, August 26th, St. James Park, a trip to Newcastle for Chelsea. Um, Former, former Premier League champions, uh, clearly uh, Manchester City, Centurions, don't need to talk anymore about them. But you guys, uh, Greg, I know there's a lot of love for your owner right now. You guys are pulling out the banners just like we did last week. Really exciting times. Everybody up and you know up and just praising the owner. I mean, it, it feel, looks like it's feeling good up there. Yeah, I think you might have made a stop in Manchester and and not made it all the way up to Newcastle. Um, there is no love for Mike Ashley. Uh, it's actually. It's, it's reached all point where pundits are blocking our fans on Twitter, Sports Direct, the company that Mike Ashley owns. It's essentially the, the Dick Sporting Goods of, of England. Uh, most people know Sports Direct. People are boycotting it. They're trashing them all over Twitter. They're, they actually created a website called Sports Redirect, which redirects you to other athletic apparel stores. It is madness right now. <laughs> Well, that that, uh, that clearly sounds like it is ripe for everything to go wrong. But yes, yes. I mean, you know, Elijah. You know, obviously, I think you know you guys stayed up last season, which was a really awesome effort. By uh, you know, there there was a three 0 win against Chelsea that apparently happened. I mean, I I kind of got blackout drunk for the last part of the last season, so I don't remember it happening. But the numbers tell me it did. So. I mean, it seems like there are some positive things going on around the club, though, as well, not just you know the negative elements with the owner. Yeah, I mean, you still have Rafa Benitez, uh, which, you know, you guys have been fortunate to see. Well, I guess, I don't know. You've seen, you, everyone's seen what he's been able to do with the club. Um, we've been fortunate to have him. Um, you know, you still have Rafa Benitez. You still have Jamal Lascelles. Um yeah, that's those are the positive things about the club. I can't really think of you know much else to think of. I mean, but in, in re- realistically, uh, the fan uh, support for the team and for Rafa has never been stronger. Um, I think after a, a rough window um, and another uh, summer of hating Mike Ashley, we're back in full force behind the lads, behind Rafa, behind the team. So that's positive. At least the team's got something to play for. They've got the fans to play for. But there's there's positive stuff. Um, Rafa's been able to bring in some decent signings, um, some decent guys who, you know, you know, they may not have been first on his list, but um, we've seen him take guys who weren't first on his list and turn them into some gyms. And then, you know, so we're, we're, we're excited. We're excited. We're excited. So, we'll see. And it, it may not be fair to say this, but last season with Rafa, uh, most a lot of pundits would say, oh, he just kept the championship side up. And we finished 10th. I mean, with essentially the same team we won the championship in in the second tier. So just what he's been able to accomplish, it's been, I mean, we're, we're at this point just thankful. Just please don't leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. You, know, you have to hope your owner can tie him down to a nice long contract and then he can continue to turn water into wine and other such spectacles. And I, I imagine that could be the case. So let's talk about some of the, you know, maybe not getting his top transfer targets, maybe getting second tier, able to polish him up a little bit, give him that bit of a shine and get him to play an appropriate level in the squad. 
who would you say was the best acquisition that you guys brought in this summer or brought back, whether it be on loan? Like, who who would you say is that one player that you're really proud of the the club bringing in? I think you're trying to bait us into saying Kennedy. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna avoid saying Kennedy, even though that's personally my answer. Um, loads of potential with the guy. Uh, I mean, we can talk. We'll, we'll uh, we're gonna get to the awful performance he had this past weekend. But outside of him, I'm, I'm excited for. Uh, honestly, I'm excited for. This is really weird because it's uh, it's not typical. I'm excited for Fabian Share, um, which is a little bit off off kilter. He hasn't played yet. But I think he's going to be a hidden gem. Um, I think, um, unfortunately, we lost our, our one of our best center backs, Florian Lejeune, to an ACL tear, which uh, we've learned, Greg and I have learned, Newcastle fans don't understand ACL tears. They think that because someone's walking, that like they're going to be fit by the end of the season. It's just like, dog. We watch a lot of football, like American football. We know ACL tears ain't no joke. Um, but I'm excited for Fabian Share. Um Anytime you can get a, an international player in who's played for a decent international team that's got a good defense that looked pretty decent in the World Cup, um, and you can get him for only four million pounds, I think that's a win. And so um, I, I honestly think he's he's going to emerge as being you know an impact signing down the road. Yeah, Greg, I'm, is that I'm your person of choice too? Uh, I'm not going to pick the same one, it, and it is I have to kind of piggyback off of what I just said, because you want to say Kennedy. Uh, it's just his ability on the ball, his attacking, he's just always going forward, and he's probably our best player on the pitch at any given moment. Um, but he's a lone player, so it's tough. I know there's an option to buy, or there's talks about it. I don't know if it's actually going to happen with our owner. And I want to say Solomon Rondon, a striker we brought in from Ooh. West Brom, but it's same deal. It's a lone um, so I'll go with kind of the underdog Ki Sung Young or Yashimuri Muto. I'm going. I'm going Asia with this one. Um, I think one of those players are going to step up and really, really take the top top form for us. I hope it's Muto because I'm not a big fan of Iosi Perez. So I hope Muto takes a spot. So I get. I guess I'll go with him. All right. So we kind of went over what's going on at Newcastle. Unhappy with the owner. Happy with the manager happy with some of the signings you brought in pretty positive feelings going into the season so why don't you fire away what are one or two questions you want to ask a chelsea fan about where we're at today greg you got one <laughs> yeah what why should i be scared of this new spanish inquisition <laughs> uh, I, I believe you're referring to Alonzo, Pedro, and Morata. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you could throw Aspilicueta in there as well. Uh, Kepa, since he is a part of the Spanish national team, and at some point we'll unseat David de Gea. So, I, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting to think about. It says Fabregas. So, I mean, we definitely have a lot of the Spanish national team playing for Chelsea at the moment, and maybe not the starters so or the people get called up, but people who have played or contributed. You know, I think the one, and, you know, I'll, I'll tease as we get into the later part, I think Pedro is probably the one I would be most afraid of heading into this season. You know, there's a lot of talk about Sarri and Napoli, and do we get Hazard to recreate this Mertens role where Mertens goes from scoring eight goals a season to being a 20, 30-plus-a-goal season guy? You know, we have someone who played pressing football for Barcelona and did it exceptionally well in Pedro, who's won almost everything as a player. And he has the work rate and the natural ability just to fire a ball from outside the box in. When you link him up with Hazard on the other side, you get Morata second season, gets a little bit of the monkey off his back with, you know, can't score some of the back injuries, some of the issues that his friends passing away. If we get all that kind of cooking in the right scenario, and then you add Marcus Alonso, who just somehow manages to defend decently and then come forward and make these brilliant runs in, kick a free you know free kick in every once in a while for a goal, uh, has scored. I, I think he scores one more goal, and he'll have scored more goals for uh, than Danny Welbeck for Arsenal as a left back than Danny Welbeck as a striker. So there's a lot of like <laughs> elements to love about the Spanish contingent in our squad right now, in addition to some of the other players. But yeah, I, I mean, I would be more afraid 
in a month or two months when we finally get everything figured out because as we saw on Saturday and we'll get into this, but yeah, it's not perfected yet. You know, it's still cooking in the oven. Like you can see that the the bread is starting to rise out of the tin. The the loaf is going to look really, really good eventually, but it's not fully baked just yet. This is a question from, from me. Um, obviously I'm asking it. So that was stupid. Um, but uh, this is a question I've been wondering for a while. I, I just want to get a, a Chelsea's fan opinion on the 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 famous or infamous, depending on who you ask, Chelsea loan system. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, are you mad you've let some guy slip away? Are you upset that you're not seeing certain guys get their run? You look at a guy like Kurt Zuma, it's like, why isn't this guy you know training with the first team? Why does he keep getting sent on loan? Just want to hear what what is, what's a Chelsea's fan's perspective on that. Yeah, man, I, you know, I think it's interesting because I feel like Chelsea get the the miss get get appropriated with this identity of like the Chelsea loan system. And you look at you know, City has thirty plus players on loan. Barcelona, like I, I actually think it's a it's a issue of massive you know what I would call quote unquote super clubs and their loan systems with the number of players that they loan out, the you know competition level for each spot on the pitch. And the fact that they've built these talented academies and put them together, and which is a credit to Neil Bath, who is the director of Chelsea's Academy, who has done phenomenal work when you look at how Chelsea continue to win at every level. It was this whole idea of you know an Ajax on the Thames mentality behind what he was going to build. And the lack of a bridge from going on loan to being as a part of Chelsea's first team sucks it's a terrible thing and you're, you're seeing it with you know i think kurt zuma's a good example though he really didn't grow up in the chelsea you know youth system i think ruben loftus cheek is probably the most current example that people are pointing to and they're saying hey you guys brought in kovacic as a lone player a lone player into chelsea and not out of chelsea and he is now going to be a starting midfielder under Mauricio sorry yet you have ruben loftus cheek there who's not going to get game time, who's not going to get first team minutes, maybe in the same level. You know, what does that mean? Is that an indictment of this system? And I I think it is to a point of that we have not figured out a good way as a club to promote the right level of youth into the first team because they should ultimately be tasked with the goal of becoming squad players so that you can buy at a very high level the top, top tier of talent to upgrade key positions of need. You know, if if you want to go spend 70 million pounds on a keeper, like you should be able to go spend 70 million pounds on a keeper. And then you can say, instead of going out and buying another midfielder, promote someone who's going to be that rotational player, who's going to play your cup games, who's going to play in, you would hope to say Champions League group stages, but this year we're going to say Europa League group stages. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's it's not a perfect system. There are flaws in the way that it's executed. We've only seen a very, very minimal number of players, specifically Andreas Christensen, come back. But even then, he did not grow up in the academy. He was brought in at a much you know later stage. You know, you're looking at someone like Calum Hudson Odoi this season, who you want to see promoted into the first team. Uh, but even sorry, says like, hey, you know, I don't know if he's going to be 100 percent ready for this campaign this season. And he's winding down his contract, you know, so he's going to be ready to sign his first full professional contract. And, you know, he's going to have the option potentially like uh, Panzo to go to Monaco or go somewhere abroad and potentially be a starter in a team, or he can continue to flail around in the loan system. And it's just, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. But at the end of the day, when you win titles and you win trophies, it's sometimes hard to argue or like, be able to merge these two ideas together where you're like, I really want to have a great academy that produces excellent youth talent, but that doesn't always mean you win a lot of trophies, a lot of Spurs. Um, or you could say, I want to win a lot of trophies and not do anything with youth. Like there's some middle ground that could be found there. It just hasn't been actuated on yet. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with like that, that struggle. Cause I mean, you think about it and it's like, what, what club in the, in that's a, clear Premier League contender every year that's actually winning trophies, uh, winning cups, it is not going out and buying players instead of promoting from within. So it's definitely a tough scenario. I mean, I can't relate. We don't buy players, nor do we have a youth system. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's interesting to, you know, hear from a club that has the money and the youth, the youth talent. So 
uh, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, what they say, uh, more money, more problems, uh, is, uh, is fa- <laughs> a factually accurate statement. But we will transition here into taking a look. We, we referenced to this idea of how the last matches went for our two clubs. So Chelsea with 3-2 win over Arsenal. Arsenal, la, 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 la. And then Newcastle and a nil-nil draw versus Cardiff. So I want to put it to you guys first. Penalty, 94th minute. Kennedy comes up. Oh, man. What's the feeling as you see him walk up to the ball? Do you think, oh, man, we're getting three points and we've saved a potential draw and turned it into a victory? Were you guys feeling pretty confident about it before that moment? No, actually, we we talk about this in our episode that we're about to release for this week. I don't think anyone thought Kennedy was going to make this. He had a howler of a match. I've never seen somebody with so much talent do nothing for 95 minutes. He completed zero successful passes during the first match. I mean, probably should have gotten a three-match ban for a kickout. Luckily, that didn't happen. And then just awful all around. And then we get a penalty in the last minute of injury time. Who steps up? The only person not performing. <laughs> it was, I mean, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Elijah actually tweeted out that he wasn't going to make it. I texted our, our Slack group that, we, that he wasn't going to make it. And sure enough, he didn't make it. Um, and I don't think we're the minority on that. I feel like a lot of Newcastle fans felt that, Man, anybody but him at this moment. And sure enough, unfortunately, we were right. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Um, Like, uh, Kennedy, I think uh, you see a lot of great players. Not a lot of great players, uh, but some great players um, struggle this early on in their career where, you know, they're clearly, um, you know, thought to be one of the better players. Um, either in that game or in that match or for that team or in the league. And in this case, Kennedy's one of the better players on the team. And when you have such a dreadful first half, he did everything he could in the second half um, to to try to make up for it. And it resulted in just bad decision after bad decision, which just led to more and more frustration. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, I can't be mad at him. He's young. Um, I mean, Kennedy's a year older than me. And I freak out, you know, and scream and get frustrated when I'm losing in FIFA. So, I mean, I can only imagine uh, what what it's like when you're out there on the pitch with a ton of fans, you know, rely on you to keep them afloat. Like, I would imagine you want to, you know, make up and be a hero in the eyes of the fans. Because if you're looking at it from his perspective, he's thinking, I make this penalty. Everyone's going to forget about the bad game I had. Everyone's going to be like, wow, what a, or they're going to be like, oh, wow, what a story of redemption. This guy just had an awful game and sealed the win down a man in the 94th minute. Kennedy, our hero. And instead, everyone was like, all right, send this guy back to Chelsea. And I'm like, okay, let's calm down. Yeah, I was looking for, after the, the game was over, I was looking for the postage stamp on his forehead, like just a fix there uh, with SW6 <laughs> to see him coming back in return. Uh, yeah, he, you know, I've watched this game and, you know, just because, you, know, like, you know, we talk about having a lone army and what's the fun of having one if you can't watch a game and have an, a rooting interest, kind of like fantasy football, right? Like you want to yeah. be able to have a rooting interest in all these games and make games more meaningful. Well, if you have 30 plus players alone, you now have 30 different potential teams or 20, you know, 22, 23 teams that you can go watch and have a very good sporting interest in. And I would agree with the fact that Kennedy had one of the worst games I think I've ever seen him have. And, and you know, he's had, you know, some interesting games where Mourinho played him at a, a wingback position previously. And those were some interesting performances. So, but this one was pretty, pretty off the, off the rocker there. So uh, it'll be nice to see him hopefully uh, not in this coming match because obviously as a lone player, you can't play against your home, you know, your, your home team or your home club. So he hopefully will have an opportunity the next match to make amends. So would he be the only culprit? Like, is there something else that you saw in this match that you know that Rafa and the players are going to be working on 
this week to address some of the opportunities that you had in this match, Greg, oh. that you would not happen versus Chelsea, like that need to get fixed. Otherwise, it's just going to be another bad day at the office. Yeah, well, one of the big things initially, just from the start of the match against Cardiff, was Javier Manquillo, who we played as a fullback. He's just not going to cut it in the Premier League. Uh, maybe a decent championship player. And it was due because we we didn't have DeAndre Yedlin. He was hurt. It seems like he's going to be back. Um, he didn't travel with the team to Cardiff. There was a injury scare against Spurs in the first match. Uh, but everything's clear. We're expecting to have him. And having him in the part of the back line is night and day for us. He very often overlaps with the wings. He's always pushing forward. But if he makes a mistake, which he typically does, he can track back and, and cover his mistake every time. Uh, he's, I think he was recorded at one of the sprints he had in, in one of the friendly matches was at like just over 35 miles an hour sprinting speed. <laughs> and they said it was the second fastest recorded sprint in Premier League history. Um, so having him there is huge. So we're, we'd hope to have him. The other thing I'm looking for is for Rafa to start implementing our new signings. Um, he brought in Muto, as I mentioned earlier, to replace or to challenge Iosi Perez. I would love to see him in the 10 role. Um, I would love to see Solomon Rondon start. Uh, Hasselu has one goal in however many games. I mean, it's he's just not cutting it. It's it's awful. He's immobile as a, as the nine and doesn't make any off the ball moves. So having Rondon there should be a new a new experience for us. I, I hope it works out. But that's that's the things I'm going to have my eye on for sure. I mean, and to piggyback off of that Hosselu comment, um, Hosselu, uh, this was a, a fun stat tweeted out. Um, not fun if you're a Newcastle fan. Five of the last six uh, games that Newcastle failed to score in, Hosselu was the the striker that started those games. And if you're a striker, that's simply just like not a stat you ever want associated with yourself. Um, but yeah, so Hoslu uh, should not start this next game. I don't care who you could put me up there. I, I mean, anyone could do a better job than him at the moment. Um, and of course, obviously, he's a professional footballer. Like, obviously, I'm not going to be as good as him. But you get the point. He's not. He's not cutting it for us right now. And, um, you know, surprised Greg didn't bring up this this point. And, and, um, and he kind of did and, and alluded towards, towards it with uh, implementing the new signings. I think Muto deserves to play. Um, Iose, uh, as great as many, as many, as much as many fans love him, as great as he can be at times, he's just been absent the first two games. And um, it really shows. There's no link between the midfield and attack. Um, and that's his job. He's supposed to, you know, connect the two. So um, if we're not being able to do that against uh, Cardiff and we struggle to do that against Tottenham, I'm obviously super scared about, you know, being able to do that against Chelsea. So I think that is the area of struggle for us. I'm sure there's there's less areas of struggle for you guys um, going into this match playing against Newcastle. Um, we'll see. So you say that, and then... You have to look at the fact that Chelsea went up 2-0 really, really quickly against Arsenal. And then somehow just the mental acuity disappeared. It's like the everyone had the five-hour energy at like, you know, four hours and 30 minutes before the game started. And then, you know, this kind of 15-minute lull hit where they, they didn't have enough left over right before the end of the half. And people just forgot where they needed to stand on the pitch. And so... When you look at Sari, you know, he, he tries to have, you know, no more than 15 meters really between lines, right? So the, the, you know, attackers, the midfield, and the defense should all move in unison with one another. And where Arsenal found found their feasting to be in prime form, like they were the Lions and they just kind of walked into, you know, a, a room full of like warthogs just ready to be like chomped down on was in these cutback passes because the midfield was not moving in unison with the defenders, and it was so easy for Bellerin or for another player to just basically put the ball back in, not be marked by Conte, not be marked by Jorginho. The defenders were too far up because they were following the you know the left back, right back, or whoever the kind of the forward movers were, and there was acres of space. And London real estate is not cheap. 
I keep on saying it. London real estate is not cheap, yet they were afforded acres of space and didn't have to pay a dime for it. <laughs> like, it, it was terrible. It was awful. And they could have scored three or four more goals than they did in this game. So as much as I, you know, I'd love to say like, yes, you know what? I feel super confident and excited. I definitely feel like from an attacking standpoint and the way that our players are playing. And if the lineup goes the way I think it, it does, I think there's, there's going to be an opportunity for Chelsea to attack and just make it very, very difficult. But I think there are concerns within the communication and, and between the midfield and the fence and the need to understand exactly what players should be doing. And I don't know if you guys have seen it yet or watched the way that Jorginho directs or is pointing to where the ball needs to go because the players around him don't don't necessarily know yet where they should be distributing. And so that lack of natural behavior in this system is causing it to slow down at times and that's where you see sometimes people will make an errant pass they'll get swarmed by defenders who press in because it's taken that extra half second or second where the ball should have been played out already and they're getting closed down yeah and that's exactly why we love to have rafa benitez that's what he works on for us if you watch the first match we had against spurs uh it was three goals very quickly it was two to one spurs at halftime we came out in that second half and it was that same thing they were lawing around they weren't doing what they were supposed to do spurs was very undisciplined and that's what rafa has us do we clearly cannot go up 11 on 11 and out talent chelsea so where can we find those margins and those spaces as you mentioned that real estate where we can take advantage and and get strike on a counter um, and really start making Chelsea feel the pressure. I think in the second half, we hit the post on Spurs four times. Loris made three saves. That's just in the second half. Um, so we're, I think that's that's going to be something that Rafa's going to look to exploit. It's just the lack of chemistry right now. It's, it might even play into our advantage that this match is happening so early on in the season. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, you look at like the fixture lineups and you're like, okay, you know, we, we don't have, you know, we get to play... Huddersfield, which you know, there, there's a little desire to get some revenge there because you know they they drew one one at the end of the season and you know kind of helped put the final nail ending the quest of a Champions League spot. You know, there's a, a chance to go up against Arsenal and to beat them, which is something that Antonio Conte had the hardest time doing. And after having you know decades of just really awesome success against Arsenal, to lose that was was rough. So the opportunity to reclaim that was great. And then now you're going to this game where Newcastle, you know, basically walked you off the pitch three nothing to end. You know, at the end of the season last year, um, you know, I, it's almost like they gave us a little bit of like a revenge tour opportunity, which is really exciting. And you know, I, I think the. Hopefully, all the players are up for it on this trip to go out and do do the business, as it were. So let's let's talk let's talk lineups. So what is you know we talked about some of the players like so obviously Kennedy can't play uh, some suspensions, some injuries. What's the starting eleven that we would expect to see go up against Chelsea this week from Newcastle from Rafa? Well, our back line starting is. I, I think DeAndre Yedlin plays, so I would expect to see him start. Um, I'm assuming Paul Dummett on the left, and then we'll have Lascelles, and then a combination of either Federico Fernandez or Elijah's man, Fabian Schar. Um, that's the way I'm seeing the back line. Dubrovka will be in that. Uh, Elijah, what do you think's happening in the midfield? Um, you know, I still think we're going to see uh, John Joe Shelby alongside Mo Diame. He hasn't been awful enough for Rafa to sit him. Um, but, you know, we could see Key there, but, you know, my gut's going to, is telling me it's going to be Shelby and Diame. Um, but I do think uh, with Rafa publicly coming out and saying Muto is in contention for Iose's spot, that we could see Muto. Uh, Iose's just been god awful the past two games. I mean, in terms of tactics, he's played out of position. Uh, so, you know, that's not great. And then out, out on the wings, um, with no uh, with no Kennedy, um, we'll still see Richie. But, um, you know, that other winger spot's up for grabs. I think it actually could be Jacob Murphy. That That's just my, my gut feeling. Uh, I think Atsu uh, 
has been less than impressive since a since being made a permanent signing and has really excelled coming off the bench. But, you know, when he starts, he kind of burns out. But um, Jacob Murphy, I think, is going to probably get the start. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's who I see. Who do you think is going to be the number nine, uh, Greg? It, it has to be Rondon. Uh, it has to be at this point. I don't know what else we would do. Um, if it's Hosselu, it, it will be 3-0. Um, but, so it, it's time to give Rondon a, a shot, a full 90, uh, and just see what he can do against that back line. It would be a tough challenge. Uh, so you say tough. So I'll, I'll give you a projected lineup here for Chelsea. So obviously Kepa starts in goal. You see Azpilicueta, Rudiger, Luis, Alonso. I think Rondon will definitely give Luis a little trouble. I, I, I mean, I think Rudiger, from a pace standpoint and from his ability to to mark players, could provide some pretty good competition for him. I, I think you know the the key points of attack for opposition teams right now have been to target you know our left and right uh, left and right side defenders because Alonso and Aspilqueta, Aspilqueta specifically, has been targeted out just for comfortability back into the role. Obviously, he's gone from being a left back to a right back to a center back, back to a right back. And just with the way and how far up we're pressing, it's requiring a lot more effort and adjustment from him. So you could potentially see him being targeted. It's kind of been where we've seen some of the you know opposition attack go after us. You're going to see Jorginho. You're going to see Conte. I think... Even though he didn't play a ton this past game, I, I am hoping that Mateo Kovacic slots into the game starting versus Ross Barkley. Barkley had some good, not great moments in the last match. And then you're going to see Ed Hazard come back into the full lineup along with Murata and Pedro. I think William loses his spot to Pedro. Pedro just makes more sense in this system. He's more comfortable pressing. He could do it for longer periods of time. And he's also someone who's just willing to take a shot with a ball. Willing's great at contributing to the attack. You know, he you know had a, a beautiful cross last game, leading to a goal. Was doing a really nice job of pulling defenders out of position to help our you know our fullbacks or our left right backs make runs up the pitch. But from a actual con- contribution to scoring the goal, I think Pedro makes more sense up there. So that would be my expected lineup. I think where you could see a switch is maybe Barkley starts and then Kovacic comes in. Yeah, I, we'll get to to match preview predictions, but uh, like, like I said, we're we're not going to be able to out talent that lineup. Um, it's it's just going to be up to tactics, what we can do, how we move off the ball. That's gonna gonna decide the difference. So with that kind of in mind, so Elijah, who if if Newcastle is going to do some business and get a result out of this game, whether it's a draw, whether it's a, a, a I'll say it, a shock win. A, who is the individual on Newcastle's team? And you can't say the manager because obviously Rafa and tactics will probably be the, the, the source of it. What player on the pitch would be the individual to help make that happen for Newcastle? Uh, you know, the player, I think, um, is actually, you know, not really a shocker uh, to many Newcastle fans. Um, at the end of the day, you need to score goals. You need someone to set up these goals. You need someone who's going to make every set piece dangerous. And because um, you got to take your chances when you get them. And so I'm going to have to go with John Joe Shelby. Uh, you know, set piece, and no matter where it is on the pitch, I want him taking it. I don't care if it's on the left side, right side, if it's uh, 60 yards out, if it's a PK. I want any dead ball situation. Shelby needs to be over it. Uh, in terms of passing ability, he's the best passing player we have. Um, and he finds space when there is no space, especially when we're going to definitely probably sit back and absorb a lot of pressure. I think he's going to be able to launch some great balls um, to get a counter going. So I- I'm going to go John Joe. Greg, who you got? I'm going to go with, I want to say just the right side of the field. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll pick a, a combination of, I'll just say Matt Ritchie. Uh, and in part because of John Joe, John Joe is at the, all of our attacks are going to go through him and he's going to be looking on that Deandre Yedlin, Matt Ritchie side for the pace to try to get in behind. And he's going to 
John Joe's kind of going to ping the ball there. So it, it's going to be up to, to Matt Ritchie to kind of lead that attack, to play a full 90, and and be relentless. Uh, that's going to be my key. All right. So thinking on our side, you know, obviously you know, Hazard is always a little bit of a manufacturer of magic. But after scoring a goal last match, I'm kind of back in Murata to continue to find a form to start uh, what hopefully could be a nice little quest to, you know, obviously I think Aguero will probably run away with it if he keeps up doing what he's doing. But, like, I'd love to see Murata really challenge for the Golden Boot this season and become the striker that he has the pedigree to become. I think he's the one in this match with a little bit of confidence restored, did a great job holding up play in this last game. I think he's the one that will help continue to make a difference if he's operating at a high level. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm back in Murata to do it. I think if we have a weak point, if I think there's someone who's going to potentially struggle, who might be the person who's going to have a little bit of an opportunity here, I, I, do, I do think it goes back to, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say our full defense because there's still an opportunity for them to just really be in sync. You know, the four of them working together along with Kepa is just not perfect yet. And I think that's where if Newcastle's going to get anything out of this game, it's going to be whether it be Luis, whether it be Alonso, whether it be you know a Rudiger mistake, whether it be Aspilicueta, it's going to be something to do with how that back line has just not fully gelled yet. It's really something where they are working towards rigidity. They're working towards being a solid defense, being a wall, being the individuals that help continue to push the end of play further and further up the pitch so you know teams are playing out of their own half and don't have the freedom to get out and they're just being pressed upon but it's not perfect yet so i think if you guys are going to get anything out of this greg it's going to be because our defense is struggling to just master the art of quote-unquote sorry ball at this time <laughs> yeah well hopefully they do a little bit <laughs> but uh, and, and it's going to be the, the what what's going to hit us if, if we can't score and and that's it i mean we're going to sit back elijah kind of led to that we're going to sit back we're going to play the counter attack and our defense last last season i think only i think we finished six i think only arsenal in the top six finished below us as far as goals conceded backline has very good chemistry and we've done well but there is ways to break us and that's if if we're not scoring, we'll just get further and further back. Um, and that's it's just really going to come down to that. <laughs> All right. So we did get a question from one of your listeners, Trevor, who uh, at Trevor Mooney 12 on Twitter <laughs> said uh, he's a legend. He, he seems like he's a legend because he's asking Sir and Chelsea have one of the more notorious firms in English football. Which three Newcastle players would you choose to back you up in a brawl? So I, I think we should create some parameters here. It should be limited to current players for the for the club, with a little bit of articulating the reason why. And uh, you know, I'll throw in the three that you know Chelsea players afterwards that I, I would take into a fight because we we actually have had a comment like this before. <laughs> All right, Elijah, you're up first. All right, here we go. So my three, it's going to be John Joe. Uh, John Joe Shelby looks like Voldemort. Probably is Voldemort. Um, definitely practices dark magic in his spare time. Um, that's probably what he does on his weekends. Uh, and then it's going to be Salomon Rondon. Um, as an Atlanta United fan, I've gotten the chance to see a Venezuelan um, named Joseph Martinez who has the same tenacity, the same grit. Another guy who I think I would follow in the battle. And I think Rondon has some of those same traits. I think with his size, his athleticism, and just like the grit and just willingness to go after everything, I think he's a guy you want. You know, you don't want to be on the receiving end of a punch from. You want him on your side. And then last but not least, it's Lee Charnley um, because I want to see him get beat up for all the terrible decisions he's made, um, you know, on behalf of Newcastle United <laughs> and Mike Ashley. Um, Lee Charnley is probably one of the worst negotiators in all of sport. Um, I've never seen a guy who set a release clause for like $2 million more than what we bought a player for. But there you go, Mikel Marino, he left. 
I've never seen a guy who has not who who refused to pay a release clause for a player, and then you know instead wanted to loan in the player. Um, and the release clause is sixteen and a half million. But there you go. It's Lee Charlie. There's so many questionable negotiations I've Lee Charlie's had. He just deserves you know a couple black eyes. You know maybe a, a broken tooth. <laughs> Bloody nose. I mean, just, yeah, I, I don't care about winning the fight. I mean, but if, if Lee's involved, I don't care about winning. Just justice it, needs to be served. Yeah, if I'm going into battle, uh, John Joe is the first name on the sheet. <laughs> that guy's crazy. Um, we, we all know he's had some previous temper tantrum issues, uh, and he's been suspended for a few times. So he's the first one for me. Um, next one is Matt Ritchie. Every time he scores, or actually anytime something good happens, he's either kicking the corner flag or just going berserk. Like he is an animal. So I'm definitely taking him in. Uh, he's going to be my, my little fighter. And then uh, LaSalle's, he's like 6'3. I mean, he's, he's built like a rock. So I'll, I'll do my hiding behind him for the most part um, and clean up the mess after it's all done. All right. So I feel like, unfortunately, Chelsea has a lot of nice guys right now on the team. So I don't know. There's not, not many, you know, certified, you know, you know, gangsters who are going to just jump in and, you know, lay waste to the, uh, the opposition. I mean, there are a couple who will give a hard tackle in. Um, but, you know, I, I'm taking Rudiger, you know, when he has gotten infuriated at someone, you can just see that he would be willing to go like and take them out uh, and absolutely just take them behind the building, break some knees, walk back out and act like nothing ever happened. Then you need a wild card. So you're going to get David Louise in there. Um, you know, he's someone who can be smiling, but then also can get like the crazy eye moment and you don't know what's going to happen next. And then a little bit of a curveball, but you know, if those who've watched him play, you know, Ethan Ampadu, who's a, a young Chelsea player at the moment, uh, brought in uh, last season. Uh, a really, really great ankle breaker is what he is. He goes into those like 50-50 challenges, and you know he, he's young, right? So he hasn't learned that maybe you shouldn't go that hard into every single tackle, but my man just continues <laughs> to go after people. And that's even after like he you know fractured his ankle at the end of last season and had to rehab and recover. And, like, he's still going in, and there were a couple of moments in preseason where he was making the John Terry-style, like, flying Dutchman attempt to save the ball with his head going to ground. Like, that's the type of dedication you want to fight. Yeah. Someone who's going to, you know, go to the very bitter end to make something happen. So, yeah, I think uh, whether you're a Newcastle fan, a supporter listening to this, whether you're a Chelsea fan, a supporter listening to this, you got to hit us with your three players for your team that you are going to want to take into a fight, take into a battle with you, so we can compare and contrast. Here's some of your reasons why. Understand why you made some selections. Tell us, the three of us, that we were absolutely dead wrong for the players <laughs> that we selected, because that's probably the case. And, yeah, I think we should get it out of here on a couple score predictions. So we actually already made ours when we recorded our podcast. Uh, I, I Fortunately, uh, for you guys at least, said that I thought we were going to gel a little bit more this coming week, that the attack is starting to look a little ferocious, and that Chelsea would end up winning 4 nothing to put one extra pass for the three you guys netted against us at the end of last season. So uh, I hope it comes to fruition. It may not, but, uh, you know, that, that, was my, uh, that was my prediction, Elijah. Um, you know, I think that you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Man, that's I, just my how is it, opinion. How is I'm recording a different episode with a different group of people, and I still get told I'm wrong. I don't understand. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. You, you, um, here's what's going to happen: uh, the Voldemort himself is going to score three goals. It's going to be hat trick, three nil Newcastle. You heard it here first. Oh, actually, you're going to hear. You're actually hearing it again because it already happened to you. That's wild. Oh, how God. things just just it worked out like that. That's crazy. So what you're saying is he's worth a four point hit in fantasy Premier League to field him and then captain him this game because it will be worth the same amount of like the forty points that Aguero got this weekend. Probably. You should probably triple captain him this week or whatever. 
<laughs> just go all in on John Joe. <laughs> John Joe. I don't think that's ever been said before. <laughs> hey, when when you see the uh, the the leaderboard nationally, like international leaderboard next week, um, it's gonna have me at the top because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up John Joe. He's not even on my team, and then <laughs> give him the boost. Oh man, I'm so one stat interesting about hosting Chelsea at St. James's Park is Chelsea has gone five unbeaten in a row against Newcastle at St. James's. So Newcastle will be looking to make it six. It's going to be a challenge. I'm actually going to go two, two draw here. Ooh, uh, spicy. With, yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think we're going to be able to grab a point. The fans are going to be all over the place. Just crazy because of all the things that's been happening. I, I think, that could be enough to uh, will the team on. All right. Well, you heard the predictions. You can tweet at us for your thoughts, again, to tell people that Elijah and Greg are absolutely wrong and that I'm 100% right. <laughs> that, that is absolutely something that you can do. So, uh, But I, I think we want to end this by saying uh, thank you to Greg and Elijah for this little bit of cross-partnership that we did um, why don't you, uh, Greg and Elijah, just kind of walk us through where we can hear the podcast that you guys are doing uh, and where we can find you on, on Twitter and social. Yeah, we're, we're finally on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Find us on that. Uh, search CHN Radio. Uh, Coming Home Newcastle Radio is what it is, the long version. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, at Coming Home Newcastle. Um, you could, and our uh, website is comminghomenewcastle.sbnation.com. All of those things were accurate. I just wanted to let everyone know if they were wondering. Those were all accurate. Uh, so, so how would you typically? Uh, what are the words you would use to close out your podcast and send it into the next episode? Away the lads. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do that. We'll away the lads. <laughs> And uh, I will say for those who are the Chelsea supporters among us that uh, until next time, uh, keep the blue flag flying high, and we'll catch you after a Chelsea win.